just want to mention a few things. Uh, our marriage simulcast uh, is taking place on September 12th. So if you haven't already, uh, make sure you go and uh, sign up for that. Real uh, great opportunity and experience. A bunch of uh, awesome s speakers will be speaking at that. So that's August 12th, and we'll be meeting here um, to watch on the, the big screen. And then um, I just wanted to mention that uh, we're kind of expanding in our uh, worship reach. And so uh, I've added, a, or we've added an audio or a video uh, element to it. And so um, after church, um, if you're uh, feeling feisty, uh, Shamar is going to be outside uh, and he's going to just take some videos. Just uh, We're going to be creating a, a video for our family just uh, letting everybody know how much we love and miss them. Um, I know we can't see everyone um, all the time. And um, so as you're leaving this morning, uh, we'd love to catch your family just giving some kind words and uh, warm wishes uh, so we can put that together to send out to everyone. And uh, for those at home, uh, we would like to come and uh, get you as well, get some messages from you. So um, we'll be reaching out to you as well to get those. Uh, and also just a quick reminder that uh, our fall kickoff is the 13th of September, so life groups will be starting up and uh, if they haven't uh, been continuing already, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, those are all the things that I can remember, so we're going to pray and then we're going to get started here this morning, so please bow with me. Dear God, we're just so grateful uh, for another day, Lord. Uh, they're not promised and so I, uh, we're just thankful that we're able to come here to to be able to view it um, from a distance, Lord. Uh, we just pray that uh, your presence would uh, fill this place, Lord, that our praise would be pleasing and uh, that uh, Travis would bring us uh, your great word this morning uh, for us to, to, to just be in and to to put into our hearts, Lord, and just to continue to to draw near to you, Lord, as we continue to work to, uh, to spread your love and your good news throughout this broken world. God, I just pray that you bless this time, Lord. Uh, bless those here and afar and those uh, still on the way. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, please rise with us as you're able as we uh, get into some worship this morning.
separate us from the Father's love. My future and for the rest of my days, everything that I am is in your hands. It's in your hands. Greater love has none than this. You gave your life. It's you who made us. We are yours. We're going to shout it from the rooftops. That love has broken these chains. We're going to sing it and we won't stop. Love has spoken. Our lives forever change. Our lives forever. Hey! All right, the shout out this morning, you know what it is? So tell the king of lies, there's nothing more to say. I sit down to the cross and there's no one in the grave. So tell the king of lies, there's nothing more to say. I sit down to the cross and there's no one in the grave. So tell the king of lies, there's nothing more to say. I sit down to the cross and there's no one in the grave. We're gonna shout it from the rooftops. We're gonna shout it from the rooftops. We're gonna shout it from the rooftops. We're gonna shout it from the hits right on what Travis is speaking about this morning. So if you want to just take a listen the first time, we sing through it and then we go back and sing it again. It's called Word of God. The Word of God is light in my darkness, hope for the hopeless, strong and the word of God is strength for the weary, a shield for those who trust in you, a shield for those who trust in you. Everything will fade, everything will fade, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but you will remain, yes you will remain, always.
join us. The word of God is light in my darkness. Hope for the hope is strong and true. The word of God is strength for the weary. A shield for those who trust in you. A shield for those who trust in you. Everything will fade. Everything will fade. The heavens and the earth will pass away. But you will remain, but you will remain always. Jesus, faithful word of God, the anchor of my heart. You're everything you say. You are no greater than my deepest need.
Let's just worship him this morning. Sing it out with me. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. God, thank you so much for this time that we have to worship you, Lord. God, I just pray that you bless Travis as he brings us the word this morning. God, that we just focus in on you, that we put everything aside and just make this time about you, Lord. You are so great. You are so good. And we are so grateful for all that you do for us. God, we just pray all this in your son's Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. We have a few announcements want to go over with you. Uh, the first one is as you walked in the doors, as you looked over to the right, you may have noticed uh, that we are starting our Operation Christmas Child. I know it's like 90 degrees and you're like, why are we doing Operation Christmas Child? Because we want to get those boxes filled and back to the church. Um, and we have to do that um, at a certain date because they have to be taken to another location and then they get shipped off um, all around the world. So I just encourage you that if you want to be a part of Operation Christmas Child, you grab one of those boxes. We have 150 boxes. Um, there's 50 of them out there right now. We're, we are asking that you put them together on your own this year. So you can take the box, you can take it home, and to the left of the boxes, still on that table, um, you there's all the instructions that you need, and you get to choose boy, girl, and it gives you what you're supposed to put in there, what you're not supposed to put in there. So I encourage you to take those. Uh, we're starting it today. We'll be running it through at least the end of September. Um, so just bring those back in when you're finished with those. When you fill it up, you can bring that in, and uh, we'll put it here in the church. We'll get them all stacked up. Uh, but we're really excited to be a part of that um, organization. They do some amazing work. Last year, all uh, uh, 150 boxes were taken and filled and brought back in. So we want to do that again this year. So make sure that you are a part of that. 
Again, um, we have our MOPS group that is starting, um, and, and that is Mothers of Preschoolers. They will be starting here uh, September the 3rd, um, and, and they meet basically every um, Thursday of the month. Two of them are virtual online presence, um, and, and they have curriculum and everything that they go over. But then um, on the, uh, the, the other Thursdays, uh, they will be doing a mom's night out here at the church. And if you would like to be a part of that, I encourage you uh, to reach out to Jess. Uh, she is the MOPS coordinator. She will answer any questions. And if you need her information or anything, just let me know and uh, we'll get you connected with that. Um, uh, again, the fall kickoff is going to be happening uh, rather soon. Um, uh, we won't be doing the tailgating. We won't be doing the chili cook-off this year. Some of you made chili last year that was hot enough that would kill anything. Um, but uh, we are not going to be doing that. But instead, we're going to have uh, some type of a, a breakfast truck here. They'll have coffee, hot and cold brew, because some of you are like, I don't like hot coffee. We're going to take care of everyone across the board, um, and, and we're going to have that. There's going to be donuts, uh, some type of a pastry that will come along with that, because I know many of you are missing that. We will be starting at 8.30, though, not the service. I should tell you the service so you show up on time. Um, if I tell you 8.30, maybe by 9.15 you'll be here. I understand how that works. But uh, I encourage you to be a part of that, to uh, get that, uh, to, to plan on being here starting at 8.30. You can get your coffee, you can get your pastry, you can hang out. If you have any questions about Realm, um, that is our online presence for the church. You can do your online giving there. It, it, it has a directory there, um, and, and it does have a login. But it, it's some, some have asked, well, do I have to have Facebook or, or any of those other apps to be able to use Realm? And the answer to that is no. So I encourage you, um, if you don't have a login, you can email me um, today, and I can get you uh, set up to where you can get logged in. But if you have any questions, if you're having trouble getting logged in, if you're having trouble with any of that information, um, Rodney will be here on the 13th to answer any of those questions um, for you. So there's a bunch of other exciting things and, and announcements. Check Facebook for now, your email for now. And if you are not receiving emails from me, you need to make sure that you email me. Um, it, it's on the website. Uh, it, it's Travis at Stafford CCC. Dot .org but again you can go to the website you can find my uh, email on there and and uh, if you send me a message I can then send you a message so um, but don't think that it works the other way around because if you tell me today I'm going to forget I'm sorry uh, it's the way it works uh, but uh, a lot of great things that are looking forward uh, to the fall and what uh, we know the Lord is going to do uh, through the church so we are going to continue our short series um, oh I just saw another one come up secret sisters um, if you want to be a part of our women's ministry of the secret sisters um, there will be an online uh, presence for that uh, to get signed up for that so if you have any questions. Uh, Jesse isn't here, so you have to talk to Greta this morning. So Greta can answer any questions that you have. Throw your hand up, Greta. Let everybody know where you're at. Okay, there's Greta. So if you, ladies, if you want to be a part of that, make sure you see Greta. Um, they do some really, really awesome things. Ah, Lysol as well. See, I can't even get into my message. I'm sorry. Um, Lysol. Um, we don't need the wipes right now. If you see a wipe, you can bring some of the wipes in, but uh, I have seen, and if you don't have it at home, Walmart has had uh, the spray Lysol cans. It is one per customer, okay? But if you see it and there's two of you, 
you can get one for yourself and one for the church, and it would be awesome. Um, so if you're able to do that and bring one of them in, it would be greatly appreciated. Again, I know that uh, uh, Walmart does have them, and like I said, one per person. I know some of you are uh, fanning yourselves. I just turned the AC down because uh, if I had one, I'd be doing it too. It's, it's hot in here. So, But I did turn the AC on. So we are continuing our short series uh, called Questions. And this morning, we're going to dive into a rather uh, deep um, question, and it's, can I trust the Bible? There's a lot of people that really want to know, can I trust what the Bible says? Well, here's what I want to start with. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Do you believe the very first verse of the Bible? Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created. Now, we're going to jump in, and we're going to really dig into the book of Genesis next week. But if you can answer yes to that very question, if you can answer yes, and you say, I believe what the very first verse of the Bible says, you're not going to have a problem with anything else. But if you have a problem with Genesis 1-1, you're going to have a problem with a lot of the other things that you read within the Bible. But if you can say, I believe that God created, in the beginning, God created. And if you can start with just that premise right there, everything else is going to work itself out. And here's the thing, and I'm not going to be able to get into all of these different things because um, I, I could say, okay, well, what Bible stories, and I want you to think about this, what Bible stories do you have trouble with? And a lot of you would say, well, I have trouble with some of the different, you know, Jonah and, and the great fish, Jonah and the whale. How did that all work? Uh, well, how, where do the dinosaurs fit in? We're going to talk about that next week. Um, how does, uh, you know, they're, they're a talking donkey really, like Shrek was in the Bible? Yes, Shrek was in the Bible before there was Shrek, okay? Um, but um, there, there's many things that we have trouble with. We have trouble. Was the grave really empty? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? We go back to Genesis 1-1. And if we can believe that in the beginning God created, then we can believe that he can raise Jesus from the dead. Amen? And that's what we have to hold on to. That's where it all starts. And, 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 and it's difficult. In the world that we live today, it is very difficult to share our faith with people that believe that the Bible is just a fable. Our society has certainly become more secular, and the, the spiritual landscape is becoming unrecognizable. In 2018, there was an editorial in the USA Today, and Oliver Thomas wrote this. He says, churches will continue hemorrhaging members until we face the truth. Being a faithful Christian does not mean accepting everything the Bible teaches. He also, in this article, makes this statement, and he pokes fun at Christians who say, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. He pokes fun at people like that. Do you, do you know who Oliver, uh, Ol sorry, Oliver Thomas is? He is a retired Baptist pastor. Yeah, he said these very things. There are many other Christian leaders who make just startling statements. Like, well, I don't really know if I can believe in the virgin birth. It's a bizarre 
claim. One pastor was asked, well, what happens when we die? His answer, I don't know. God is beyond our knowing. He says, I don't worship an all-powerful, all-controlling, omnipotent being. Listen, this is not Christianity. This is a new religion, a new God that is formed in an image intended not to offend modern secular sensibilities. Indeed, they have denied everything that makes the gospel the good news. We see here that they are trying to replace the biblical Christianity that, that we know and love. They, they, they want to make up their own religion. And, and I go back to the book of Judges, the very last book, or the very last verse in Judges. Judges 21, verse 25, it says this. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That could be, that could be said today, right? Let it not be. Let it not be. So we're going to continue our series asking, can we really believe the Bible today? So let's dig right in. I want you to write this down. What you believe about the Bible, what you believe about the Bible will determine your beliefs and your behavior. What you believe about the Bible will determine your beliefs and your behavior. If you don't believe the Bible, you will make up your own belief system. You will just kind of make it up as you go, however you like, what fits you best. If, however, you believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word of God, then your beliefs and your behaviors will reflect that very thing. We're a church that stands on the Bible as the word of God. I want you to listen to the props that the Apostle Paul gives to the church in Thessalonica. He says this, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it it really is the word of God which is at work in you believers. And then Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. This is the New Living Translation. This is what we read there. Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Have you ever wondered why Bible-believing Christians declare God as creator? That all of us are sinners. That marriage is between one man and one woman. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that he was crucified, raised from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is coming again. How do we know heaven and, earth, or heaven and, and hell are real? That demons and angels exist and that life begins at conception. How do we know this? Because the Bible says it. 
That's what we have to start with at the very beginning. So let's look at a couple of proofs that we see in the Bible. The first proof that we see, why should we believe the Bible? Let's prove that very point. Why should we believe the Bible? If you go to the website, if you go to our website, the very first um, in the what we believe section, the very first fundamental belief is this. The Bible, God's word to us, written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, infallible and errant, our only guide for faith and practice. You know, there are many reasons to believe I'm going to give you four of them. Why can we believe the Bible? Number one, Aaron, unparalleled popularity. Now, this is not the be-all, end-all, but it is the number one selling book in the entire world. It has outsold every other book that has ever been made. It has been translated into more languages than any other book written People have tried to do away with the Bible. They have tried to burn it. They have tried to extinguish it any possible way that they can. Yet the Bible continues to live on. Number two, we have manuscript evidence. While we don't possess the original manuscripts of the Bible, the Jews were very uh, careful and extremely careful when it came to making copies, especially of the Old Testament. Scholars tell us that there are over 5,300 manuscripts, complete manuscripts of the New Testament, and another 8,000 partial manuscripts that date back to the, the one century of the original writing. In comparison, there are only five manuscripts total for anything that Aristotle ever wrote. We all know the Odyssey of, of Homer, the closest that we have is several thousand years after he'd written, 2,200 years after he had originally written it. So we have manuscript evidence. We also have fulfilled prophecy. Now, prophecy is foretelling of the future. That's what we're talking about. In the writings of Buddha and Confucius, you will not find one single example of predictive prophecy in the Quran, there is only one instance of generic prophecy, and that's that Muhammad would return to Mecca. Anybody ever heard of Jeannie Dixon? She, she was a, 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 an American prophet, um, so to speak, and she said in 1952, 1956, and 1960, she, tr she tried to guess all of the political candidates and who would win. You know how many she got right? <laughs> Zero. She missed every single candidate and all the parties and the winners. On the other hand, the Bible contains around 2,000 predictive prophecies. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, this is what we read. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of prophecies, over 700 prophecies about the Messiah. I'm going to give you a couple 
just, just a few uh, of Jesus. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he would be born in Bethlehem. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 10, we read that his body would not rot. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that he would be born of a virgin, and this is what we read. Therefore, the Lord himself will give, him, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, there are many people that say, well, that was just written after the fact. That somebody kind of, they, they wrote it in after the fact. Well, maybe they did. But you know what's awesome? In 1947, one of the greatest archaeological finds that ever has been made um, was the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in those Dead Sea Scrolls, you know what you find? 500 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It wasn't just written in as a side note. We keep going, Psalm 24, verse 20, not a bone in his body would be broken. Psalm 22, verse 18, his clothes would be gambled over. Isaiah 53, verse 9, that he would be buried in a borrowed grave. And that's just a few to give you. The fulfillment of literally all prophecies with pinpoint precision is powerful proof for the truthfulness of the Bible. Number four, archaeological confirmation. Christianity claims something extraordinary happened in the course of time. And for, for years, people just laughed so many of these things off. They, they would say, well, it's in the Old Testament, and, and I'm going to see if I can prove it or not. And, and people would just laugh at so many of the things. In the Bible, we read about a group of people known as the Hittites. And there was no proof that they had ever existed until 1870. They were doing some excavations, um, and they unearthed uh, a monument. In 1906, they were doing more excavations in Turkey, and it revealed thousands of Hittite documents. Some secular people said, King David, well, he was just folklore. It, it was about, it was this story of this, of this little guy and how he could take on this mighty guy and something that we all look up to, right? I mean, every March, we look forward to the Cinderella story. Not this past year, but every other year. We love the Cinderella story of March Madness. We want to hear about that 16 seed taking on that number one seed, and, and we want to see Virginia go down, right? Only happened once. Sorry, guys. Um, but it, we're, we're always looking and pulling for the underdog to be able to win. I mean, Michigan is still pulling and rooting that one day they might beat Ohio State. For the record, COVID beat Ohio State before Jim Harbaugh. Oh, come on, really? All right, okay, I'll leave it alone. About a year ago, Pontius Pilate, they'd, they'd found a, a stone tablet. I got to see it in, in 2012. We were over in Israel, and uh, they found a stone tablet that had Pontius Pilate's name on it. He was the governor over Jerusalem that sentenced Jesus to die. 
About a year ago, they found a ring with his name on it. King David, as I said, in 1993, they found, there was no such record of him prior to that that we could really find, but they found, they found a 9th century stone tablet, BC, 19, 9th century BC stone tablet in the rubble of the northern wall, King David on it. While we were over there in 2012, they found what they believed to be King David's palace that overlooked all of Israel. So beautiful. There are over 1,400 original documents, including the complete scroll of Isaiah that was found in those Dead Sea Scrolls. Many other partial, but a complete scroll of the book of Isaiah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Number five, sorry, there was five of these. Number five bears witness of Christ. The Bible tells us who we are, where we came from, and why we are here and where we're going. And all of this points to Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 39, we read, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Again, what we believe about the Bible will determine our beliefs and our behaviors. So we have, first, the proof. Number two, we have the purpose. What does the Bible say about itself? What does the Bible say about itself? In order to understand the purpose of the Bible, it's important to define some, some key language. The first one is we have this word called revelation. Well, what does, I'm not talking about what John wrote at the very end of the Bible, but what is revelation? It's God revealing himself. Now, there's special revelation, which is the Old Testament when he spoke directly through the prophets to the nation of Israel. But for all of the rest of us, we also had what was known as general revelation. The fact that we could walk outside right now and we see everything around us and we go, there has to be a God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, in the New Living Translation, we read, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his evident, invis, invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So we have this revelation from God telling who he is. Number two, we have inspiration. Inspiration. Now, inspiration has to do with recording of God's special revelation. We go back again to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. Again, it's not made up by some man. It comes directly from God. When we read the Bible, we are hearing the very words of God. Number three, inerrant. Inerrant. We go back again to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Number four, infallible. This tells us that the Bible is completely, absolutely trustworthy. 
we can believe what the Bible says. It comes directly from God. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. Number five, illumination. Illumination. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to understand and apply the scriptures as seen in, in Psalm chapter 119 verse 18. We read there, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things of your law. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus says, do you take a candle and hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. I won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Some of you young kids are like, what's he saying? I remember that song. It's a, it helps us to understand that we're going to take it and we're going to set it as a, as a light, and we're going to be that city on a hill for everyone to be able to see. We are the shining beacon. Well, here's the thing. God's word is our light. It is our lamp. When, we, when everything around us is dark, we need his word speaking to us, and it illuminates so much. Number six, it is authoritative. God's word is completely authoritative. Simply put, the Bible is binding upon us. Since God has spoken in his word, we must submit to his ways. We go back again to Psalm 119, verse 89. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47, Moses told the people that they were to obey God's word and to teach it to their children. And this is what we read. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. It is authoritative. God's word has the authority over our lives. When challenged by hostile church officials almost 100 years before the Reformation, John Huss repeatedly answered his opponents with this statement. They would come at him with a barrage of questions. This is what he would say. Show me from Scripture, and I will repent and recant. Can we say that today? Do we know the word of God that when someone questions us that we are able to, to speak with words of life and truth? God's word is authoritative. Show me from scripture and I will repent and recant. You see, the Bible alone became the foundational battle cry for the Reformation. The question is the same today. The question is the same that's asked of us today. What is the final authority for the Christian? Is it whatever we're, we're, we're seeing within our society? Or are we reading the word of God and standing upon its truths? When asked to explain why the Reformation spread throughout Europe, this is what Martin Luther said. He said simply, the word did it all. The word did it all. We have to remember that. Number seven, it is sufficient. What does the Bible say about itself? It is sufficient. The Bible is al alone is all that we need to equip us. Psalm 19 verse seven says, the word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know who he's talking about there? (laughs) Me. All of us. We become wise when we know the word of God. Number eight, the word of God is complete. We go to the book of Revelation. We go to Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. John gives us a very, very stern warning from Jesus about deleting or adding anything to the Bible. We read there, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. You see, we declare scripture alone is our highest and final authority. No extra books, no tradition, our political correct culture, not our feelings, not our political party, not the church, the pope, or the supreme court. No one tells us what to do. No one has authority over us other than the word of God. It is complete. It is our basis for faith. So let's determine to live out what we know to be truth, regardless of the cost, no matter the pain, without regard for the consequences. Let's stand firm on the word of God. Again, what you believe about the Bible will determine your beliefs and your behavior. You know, the Bible can stand on its own. Charles Spurgeon was asked to defend the Bible. Do you know what he said? The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose. And the lion will defend itself. Amen to that? I don't know about you, but I don't want to get between a lion and anyone else. Do we see that? I had some friends that were up in Alaska uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they were out there and there was Mama Bear, and here comes the cubs walking out, and um, they were immediately chased back up onto the pontoons of the boat where they had made it out to. Why? Because Mama Bear protects her cubs. Well, that's what we have to see as the Word of God. We let it loose like a Mama Bear, like a Mama Cub. She's going to take care of her own, and we must do the same thing. So we've looked at the proofs. We've looked at the purposes of the Bible. Now let's consider the picture Jesus paints from one particular passage. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. We get the picture, how does Jesus view the Bible? Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he's had his uh, 40 days. Um, He has went into the wilderness. He has been tested. And as he comes back, he goes to his own hometown. And he goes to Nazareth. And as he goes into Nazareth, in verse 16 we read, And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. This passage gives four ways to become more emboldened about the Bible. 
The first thing that we see that Jesus did and that we need to make sure that we're doing is that we are reading the Bible. Jesus was the guest reader and the preacher for that day. And he stood up in in verses 17 through 19, we read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Now, interesting, it wasn't like our Bibles today. We didn't go, oh, here's my tab and I'm just going to open to Isaiah. It was a scroll, okay, and it was big, and it had to be unrolled, and, and Jesus was able to unroll it exactly to where he wanted. He's going to read from Isaiah, quote, from uh, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. That's what we're going to find here in, in just a second, but he just takes that scroll and he just rolls it right out, okay? So very important that he understood and knew the word. He had been in the scriptures. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was very familiar. Notice that he didn't have to, again, find his place. He just opened it right up. And he said things like, have you not read? Throughout the the, the time of his ministry, he would say things like, have you not read? Let me ask you that question. Are you in God's word? Are you reading God's word? Jesus tells us that we need to make sure that we're doing it. Number two, feed from the word. Feed from the word. After presenting the word of God, Jesus then preached the word. It's important to both read and feed from the Bible. We need interpretation and application. If we hope to experience transformation, we need both of these things in our lives. And again, Jesus is quoting from or reading from Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 2. And this was a very well-known passage to those that would have been there. They were looking forward to the Messiah. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor. He came to liberate the the captives. He came to to give sight to the blind. He came to set liberty to those who were oppressed. Notice what Jesus then did in verses 20 through 21. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendants and he sat down. So he stood up to read the word of God, and then he just kind of sat down in front of them. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to him, to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we need to read it, we need to feed on it, but then we need to heed the word of God. Mark Twain, not exactly known as the diehard Christian, he wrote these words. He said, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture that they don't understand. But the passages that bother me the most are those that I do understand. Because many times, those that I do understand are the ones that hit right here. And they don't always sit well when we read them, right? Right? Showing again 
how well Jesus knew the Bible, he recounted two examples from the Old Testament to make the point that through, though his listeners were God's chosen people, they weren't any better than anyone else. Until they recognized that they were poor, enslaved, blind, and broken, they couldn't be saved. They understood his point. <laughs> they didn't like it very well. The people initially, when Jesus walked in and, and Jesus opened the scroll, they were, they were waiting with bated breath of what he was going to read to them. And then after he read it, they were waiting again with bated breath. What is Jesus going to say? And, and yes, we're going to be set free and it's going to be awesome. Wait, Jesus, can you, can you re-say what you just said there? Because we really don't like that. Their comfort, their comfort, their, their excitability changed to conviction. And when that happened, they wanted to get rid of them. Their initial amazement turned to intense animosity because they got the message. God will save an outcast Gentile woman and a Syrian leper who admit their spiritual poverty before he will save the arrogant Israelites. They got it. And they didn't like it. In verse 28, we read, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Now, the word wrath means that they were breathing hard with indignation, not wanting to hear anymore. Verse 28, or verse 29 tells us, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their, towns, their town was built so they could throw him off the cliff. The moment that Jesus stated what he stated and it hit them and it convicted them, they said, we don't like that and we want to get rid of you. Do we ever do this? We ever read a section of scripture and go, I don't like that. Next page. Let's read something good and fun. Let's read about the, the talking donkey. That, that, that's fun. Don't, don't talk about my sin, Jesus. I don't like that because that kind of hits me right here. Let's turn past the, the book of James and let's read something else. We don't want to hear the truth many times. Now, sometimes we, we need to hear the truth. We don't like to hear the truth. And we're told that it's a double-edged sword and it, it's very sharp and it cuts all the way to the marrow we like reading things that don't bother us much. Let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about all dogs go to heaven. And, and let's talk about how fun it's going to be and, and the feast that we're going to have and the party that we're going to have. Let's talk about all those good things. But Travis, don't talk about hell. And don't talk about the devil. And don't talk too long because we're hungry. I'm getting there, I promise. I'm almost done. I love verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went away. You know, this shows amazing power of the written word and the awesome power of the living word of God. As far as we know, Jesus never went back to his hometown after this. That's some pretty hard stuff. I want you to listen to these words from John chapter 8, verse 37. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me 
because my word finds no place in you. If you ever hear yourself say, well, well, I know what the Bible says, but be very careful. Well, I know what that scripture says, but I want to do this. Stop yourself. Allow God's word to speak truth into your life. We don't always want to hear it. We don't always want that, that, that negative criticism because, oh, you're just trying to bring me down. No, I want to build you up. And that's what we read throughout the scriptures. God wants to build each and every one of us up. He wants us to heed that very word. And lastly, need the word. There's one final point about the picture Jesus is painting. Those crowded into the synagogue that Sabbath day, they were really excited to hear the word of God until they heard the word of God because it spoke right here. Need the word of God. Come every Sunday, be in person, be online with us, dig in, get involved in men's Bible study, get involved in one of our life groups, get involved in one of our women's group, be a part of the secret sister, be a part of the mops group, be, be a part of the church. Find a ministry area that you can serve in, that you can have fellowship with fellow Christians. It, it doesn't matter if you're a part of, of the greeting team or if you're a part of the mowing team. Some of the best relationships can happen in those moments. And the next thing you know, you're talking about the Bible. You're talking about what you read this last week, and, and you find out that you really needed to hear that. That's what we need. We need one another. Here's two quick action steps as we wrap all of this up. Guard against familiarity fatigue. Guard against familiarity fatigue. It's way too easy not to take the Bible seriously. Because we've been swimming in the deep end for a long time. I've been reading the Bible a lot. So I know it. Dig into the Word. Allow the Word to speak to you. Don't just put it off to the side. Keep it fresh in your mind. Read it over and over and over again. Keep feeding from it. And lastly, repent and receive before it's too late. Repent and receive before it's too late. If you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today can be that very day. If you need to repent, if you need to turn something over to him, yeah, repentance, it's like, oh, that's an awful big word. That's a church word. Do you know what it means? To turn and go the other way. That's all you have to do. You're heading this way and you're turning around and going the other way. That's, that's what you've been called to do in your lives. We can say that very thing that Oliver Thomas said, he poked fun at Christians. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. <laughs> we can say that today. If 
you need to repent right now, you know what's great? You don't have to talk to me or one of the elders or one of the staff. You can go right before the Lord right now. And you can confess and repent. And one of the great things that we do every Sunday is we partake of communion. If you haven't had an opportunity to get your communion, you can go to the back and you can grab that real quick. And I want you to think, and I want you to contemplate what Jesus did for you. He went to the cross for you. So that you could, you you didn't have to go to a church leader or to anyone else. You, You had direct access to the Heavenly Father because of what Jesus did. So we're going to pray, and then you can take the opportunity to partake of your communion right now. Give it up to Him. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You that we are able to worship You through song, through word, through communion, through prayer, through our giving to you. Father, we thank you that you gave your son. He is our ransom. He is the one who has set us free. And Father, if there is someone here who who needs to talk, they need prayer in their life. They, they need someone just to, to let it all out to. They can go directly to you, but for some of us, we need that person to talk to that they will seek out one of our staff, one of our elders. They will seek, seek out myself, a fellow brother and sister in Christ. Father, that we will just let it go to give it all up to you. And Father, as we take of this communion, we thank you that your son came to this earth he lived for us that his body was broken and that his blood was spilled on calvary for my sins and all of those that have gathered here today and that are watching online we pray this in your son's most heavenly name amen If you have a commitment to make this morning, uh, make that commitment uh, personally or like Travis said, if you need to sit down with someone, Travis, elder, whomever that may be, 
do that. Don't wait. Don't waste your time. Uh, we don't know how much time we have, right? So, so if you're feeling led this morning, make sure you you reach out. But uh, let us rise as we continue in our worship this morning.
carried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day, glorious day, oh glorious day. Dear God, thank you so much for your word this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, we just pray that we would take what we've heard this morning, that we would apply it in our lives, God, that we would get into our Bibles this week, God, that we would read your word, we would heed it, that we would live it, God, and God, that we would share it with those who don't know about it yet. God, I just pray that you bless us as we depart this morning bring us back safely next week. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Go and be blessed. And don't forget, uh, stop uh, outside to see Shamar and uh, give a greeting to our family and friends.